And if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to the book of Matthew. Si trajo su Biblia esta noche, vaya conmigo, por favor, al Evangelio según San Mateo. And uh, we're going to look at chapter, be reading out of chapter 27, Matthew chapter 27, San Mateo, capítulo 27. As we begin our series of studies on the seven last sayings of Jesus, uh, while he was on the cross, Jesus spoke seven times. And those words are packed full of revelation uh, for us tonight. We have uh, gone over a couple of them, and tonight we're going to read out of Matthew 27 as we continue this study. Hemos estado estudiando sobre las siete últimas palabras del Señor Jesucristo en la cruz. Y esas siete palabras que Él habló están llenas de revelación y de uh, eh, verdad para nosotros, para nuestra vida. Así que vamos a seguir desempacando este veliz lleno uh, de la palabra de Dios que se encuentra en estas siete palabras. Y vamos a Mateo capítulo 27, verso 45. We'll be reading out of verse 45. In just a few days, we will be celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as we lead up to that celebration, we'll also be uh, remembering his death on the cross. And these seven things are an opportunity for us as Christians to reflect upon what the cross means to us today. Estas uh, siete palabras, este, esta serie, es una oportunidad para nosotros como uh, creyentes en la fe cristiana poder estudiar y estar atentos a lo que es la cruz de Jesús. The Bible says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It means it doesn't make sense to those who are lost. Es la escritura que el mensaje de la cruz es locura para los que se pierden. Eso significa que el que, se está, el que está perdido no entiende la cruz de Jesús. But it says to those who are being saved. How many of you are being saved? It, it says to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so the cross of Jesus Christ is the power of God. Of God and the wisdom of God. Dice, pero para los que se, se, uh, son salvos, la cruz es el poder y la sabiduría de Dios. Entonces, el cristiano debe conocer lo que es el, el, el uh, mensaje, la enseñanza de la cruz y uh, así mismo tener el poder de Dios. And so, as you learn and understand the cross of Christ. And who it was Jesus uh, was and what he came to do. You obtain, through that truth, the power and the wisdom of God. And when we talk about the cross, we're really not talking about three nails, two wooden beams, a crown of thorns. We're not talking about being whipped uh, by Romans. We're talking about what did Jesus accomplish through his death on the cross. Cuando hablamos de la cruz, no estamos hablando de tres clavos y un madero y un látigo, sino que estamos hablando de lo que Jesús logró por nosotros en la cruz del Calvario. And so tonight, Matthew 27, verse 45, I, I believe you may have found it by now. It reads, now from the sixth hour, 
darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. Now, I want to stop there for a moment. I'm going to pray in just a moment, as we usually do. I want you to notice Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m., all right? And he was on the cross till 3 p.m. How many hours is that? Six hours. The, the Bible says that on the ninth hour, that would be noon. At noon, the sun went dark. And there was a, a total darkness that came over uh, the city of Jerusalem and that region. And it was there for three hours. So these three hours that we're going to study tonight are the moment when Jesus atoned for the sin of the world. And they are pivotal to our faith. Now, I explained to you last time that in the temple, when an offering was made, the priest made an offering at 9 a.m. and at 3 p.m. And so Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. He died at 6, uh, sorry, at 3 p.m. And he was the Lamb of God, exactly as the Old Testament had prefigured it. So let's read on. But the ninth hour... Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there, when they heard it, began saying, this man is calling on Elijah. Immediately one of them ran, and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again in a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you tonight for the privilege of teaching the word of God. I ask you now that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word of the living God, that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that they might receive the word of God with gladness in their hearts. And I pray especially that as we come to the scriptures, that they would be a light into the darkness of our understanding and that we might come closer in our knowledge of who our Savior was and what he did for us on the cross. We ask that in Jesus' name and the church said amen. Amen. I think everyone in the world knows that Jesus died on a cross. But not everyone in the world and almost uh, no one in the world really outside of the church, understands why he died on the cross. And so as we've studied the things that he said on the cross, we're looking at the reason, the revelation that comes from that. And I want you now to go in your Bible to the book of Psalms. We're going to go to Psalm 23. Vamos a ir al Salmo 20, uh, perdón, el Salmo, uh, se me perdió aquí. Salmo 21, Psalm 21. I'm going to correct myself one more time. That's the last time tonight. All right, Psalm 22. All right. <laughs> Pray for Pastor Isaac. He is, he's lost in the Psalms. It's a good place to be lost. Psalm 22. Vamos al Salmo 22. I want you to notice verse 1. We just read out of Matthew. Acabamos de leer de Mateo, San Mateo 27. But notice verse 1 of, of Psalm 22. It reads, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus said those words at the cross, he was actually quoting David. He was quoting a psalm. 
Cuando Jesús dijo estas palabras Dios mío, Dios mío ¿Por qué me has desamparado? Él está citando las palabras del salmista David And so the first thing I want you to notice tonight Is something that I have brought to your mind and attention Over and over again for the last five years that I've been here And I'm going to keep doing it until Jesus comes And that is that there is incredible power in knowing the word of God And in memorizing the word of God And what I want you to notice here is that Jesus In the greatest hour of the greatest grief of his life What does he say? What comes out of his mouth? But God's inspired word. Aquí vemos a Jesús que en el momento más crítico de su vida, él está citando la palabra de Dios. Even for moments of bitterness, the word of God needs to be in our mouth. Aún en momentos de amargura, la palabra de Dios tiene que estar en nuestra boca. So Jesus is never far from the word of God. When Satan tempted him, what did he say? It is written. And he quotes the Bible. And then over and over in his teaching, we see him quoting the, the, the prophets, quoting Moses, quoting the Old Testament. And now even on his deathbed, if you could call the, call the cross a deathbed, Jesus is, say, is speaking the word of God. Ahora lo vemos muriendo y aún en su muerte, Jesús está hablando, llenando su boca con la palabra de Dios. Esa había sido su arma y aún seguía siendo su arma. And, and tonight we, read, we sang about it in that hymn. We said, Lord Almighty, hear my plea. When the devil comes to me, let your word my weapon be. The word of God is the weapon of the believer. La palabra de Dios es la arma del creyente. Así que cuando viene la tentación, cuando viene el problema, cuando viene la escasez, cuando viene la enfermedad, debemos llenar nuestra boca con la palabra de Dios. Tell your neighbor, fill your mouth with God's word. God's word is powerful. La palabra de Dios es poderosa. So memorize it. Get it in your heart. Get it in your spirit. Haz la memoria que esté en tu espíritu, tu corazón. Porque ahí está la verdad de Dios. Now here's what I want us to study tonight. Right there in that, in that opening verse, we find some questions that, that the psalmist asks, Psalm 22 asks Three questions, and here's what I want you to know about Psalm 22: that Psalm 22 is the the picture of Calvary from the perspective of Jesus. El Salmo 22 es la perspectiva de la cruz desde la perspectiva de Jesús. The Gospels all tell us what the cross looks like from the ground up, but Psalm 22 tells us what the cross looks like. From the cross down. Psalm 22 literally reveals to us what's going through the mind of the Messiah when he is on the cross. El Salmo 22 nos revela lo que está en la mente del Mesías cuando él está en la cruz. La, los evangelios nos enseñan la cruz de la tierra hacia arriba, pero el Salmo 22 nos enseña la cruz desde el, la cruz 
hacia abajo. And in fact, I'm not going to do this for you tonight because I already did it for you last uh, Good Friday. So I don't have time to do it again. All right. But uh, every one of the seven sayings of the cross is referenced right there in Psalm 22. So if you want to take a, a pen and paper tonight and go home and read Psalm 22, you're going to be able to identify all the clues that lead to the seven sayings of the cross right there in one psalm. Todas las siete palabras. Si usted estudia este salmo 22 minuciosamente, va a ver que en todas las siete palabras están en ese salmo. In fact, uh, just to give you a little, a little, uh, a little uh, taste because I can't uh, help myself. The last verse of Psalm 22, go look at it. Vaya a ver el último verso del capítulo 22 de ese salmo. And the last verse of that says, he will perform it. He will do it. It is finished. The last saying of Jesus on the cross is right there in that psalm. So I'm just going to give you a little homework, all right? If you don't do it, you'll still go to heaven. It's going to be okay. But if you do do it, it's going to be a, a, a great asset to your life. So Psalm 22 tells us what Jesus is thinking when he's on the cross. And this psalm was written hundreds of years before Christ. Este salmo fue escrito cientos de años antes de Jesús. Pero este salmo proféticamente nos revela muchas cosas del Mesías. In fact, this psalm tells us in verse 16 that he would be pierced in his hands and his feet. El verso 16 del Salmo nos dice que lo hirieron en sus manos y sus pies. How many of you see that right there in verse 16? You realize that the Romans had not invented crucifixion for several hundred years? This Psalm defines how Christ the Messiah would be crucified long before crucifixion was even invented. Prophetically, God had already revealed to us, to the Old Testament believers in particular, how his son would be offered up. All right. Now, I can't go any deeper than that because I could spend all night in that psalm just unpacking it, okay? And uh, we'll, do it, we'll do it that another time. Invite me to lunch. I'll bring my Bible, and uh, we'll have some fried chicken, and we'll do that. Okay. That sounds good. All right. I already got an invitation. Who wants to invite me for Psalm 23? I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's 150 good lunches right here, okay, if I get down to it. All right, three questions tonight that are on the mind of the Messiah when he's on the cross. First one, why have you forsaken me? The second one, we read there, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you far from, from deliverance? Or why are my, why, far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. And oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer me. And by night, but I have no rest. I want us to think about these three questions. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you far from me? And why won't you speak to me? Three questions that are on the mind of Jesus. And I believe there are three questions that have crossed all of our minds at one point or another in our Christian journey. Tres preguntas tenemos aquí en estos dos versos que yo creo que son preguntas que han estado en nuestro corazón 
en un momento o otro de la vida. ¿Por qué me has dejado? ¿Por qué estás lejos de mí? ¿Y por qué no me hablas y no me escuchas? How many of you have ever had those questions? ¿Cuántos han tenido esas preguntas? Maybe you're having those questions right now. Quizá estás teniendo esas preguntas en tu alma, en tu ser ahora. Maybe you are having those uh, questions even now. And so I want us to approach this very carefully. And as a Bible teacher, I have to approach this passage very carefully because no one in the world except for Jesus really understands the meaning of these words. Understand that. No one in the world except for Jesus really understands the meaning of those words because Jesus alone experienced the full weight of the rejection of God the Father. Nadie en el mundo puede describir lo que Jesús está pensando o sufriendo en ese momento. Así que tenemos que llegar a esta palabra con reverencia. Porque nadie en el mundo ha pasado lo que Él pasó en ese momento en la cruz. So if I can, if I can just take your imagination for a moment. Jesus has been on the cross for three hours. Jesús ha estado en la cruz por tres horas. From 9 a.m. to noon. And now the trial begins. Al mediodía de ese día de crucificación comienza uh, la, la, la corte que el Hijo de Dios va a tener que pasar en, en el juicio del de Hijo de Dios en el lugar de los pecadores. And what we notice is that the atmosphere changes physically on the earth. The earth bore witness to the fact that this was a holy moment. La tierra misma da testimonio que este es un momento santo and darkness covers the region. La, la tiniebla cubre la región, cubre aquel lugar so that no one saw Jesus go through this moment. Nadie vio a Jesús pasar por este momento. When he died, no one saw him die. They heard him die, but they didn't see him die. Cuando él murió, cuando él muere, nadie lo va a ver morir. Why? Because what's about to take place, we call it the atonement. The, the judgment of sin uh, upon Jesus Christ is about to take place, and this is something that man has no part in except the man Christ Jesus. La, la expiación es alto, algo que el hombre no tuvo parte en ella. Solamente Dios y el Hijo y el Espíritu Santo van a participar en este juicio. Only God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will participate in the atonement. Listen now. Jesus is man's representative to God in that hour. Jesús es el representante del hombre hacia Dios en ese momento. Nadie más va a participar. And so just let me clarify something for us right now. I'll say it again in a minute. There is salvation in nobody else. Somebody say amen. Hay salvación en ningún otro. Why? Because nobody else was there to make this happen. Nadie más trajo salvación. Así que nadie más puede salvar. We've got to be very clear about that. 
There is salvation in nobody else. That's why you don't pray to the pastor. You don't pray to the saints. You don't pray to the church. You pray to Jesus because Jesus alone produced the, uh, the, uh, ex, the uh, atonement of our sins. Solamente Jesús produjo la expiación de nuestros pecados. Por lo tanto, solamente a Él podemos orar. Now, when Jesus is on that cross, if you remember what I told you about Jesus... Jesus was God in human flesh. 100% God, 100% man. Jesús es 100% Dios, 100% hombre. When he's on the cross, he is dying a sinner's death, but he had not sinned a single time. En la cruz, él está muriendo el la muerte de un pecador, pero él era inocente. I'm going to take a test in here real quick. All right, everyone's going to be honest. How many of you are innocent? That's what I thought. ¿Cuántos somos inocentes? You know. The only man who was ever born without any stain of sin in his life was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. El único hombre que, murió, que vivió en la tierra sin ningún pecado. Es Cristo Jesús. Here's, the, here's man's double problem. I told you on Sunday morning, man has a double problem. First of all, man is born a sinner by nature. Primero el hombre nace pecador por naturaleza. So before you even cried for your first bottle, you already had a nature of sin. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. Now, the second problem is man starts acting on that nature and now he not only has a sin nature, but he has a sin record. El hombre comienza a actuar sobre esa naturaleza y ahora tiene la naturaleza del pecado y tiene el archivo del pecado que ha cometido. You understand that? So Jesus, when he is born, he's born without a sin nature and he had no sin record. So if anyone should be on this cross, he should not. Si hay alguien que no debe estar en esta cruz, este es el hombre que no debe estar en esa cruz. Now since he's innocent and since he's the son of God, from eternity past, he has enjoyed relationship with the Father. Entonces, porque Él es el Hijo de Dios y Él es inocente, desde la creación pasada, Él ha, eh, eh, tenido, él ha tenido una relación buena y, y um, amorosa con el Padre. He has never had a separation from the Father. Jamás ha tenido, ha sufrido separación del Padre. On this cross... At noon, the trial begins for man's sin. The innocent Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, takes the place of sinners before God the Father. And when this happens, he is now in an adversarial position toward God. He who knew no sin was made sin on our behalf. Entonces, en la cruz, el que no conoció el pecado, fue hecho pecado para nosotros. And I want you to notice 
what we read in this question, my God, my God. First thing you need to notice here is that earlier when Jesus prayed on the cross, his first word on the cross was, Father, forgive them. But at this moment, he doesn't call God Father. He calls him God. At this moment, there is a relationship that has shifted. Usually when Jesus referred to the Father, he referred to him as the Father. In fact, just the night before on Gethsemane, at Gethsemane when he prayed that the cup would be passed from him, he said, Abba. But now, he says, Eli, which refers to the judge, the, the righteous just, ju judgment of God. At that moment, Jesus takes his place before the judgment seat of God. En ese momento, Jesús no llama a Dios como Padre, sino que llama a Dios con, como Dios, como el Todopoderoso, el Juez de Justicia. Y vemos que hay un cambio en la manera que Él está relacionado con Dios, porque ahora Él ha tomado el lugar de los pecadores. He has now taken the place of sinners. And He asks, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, you and I cannot imagine the entirety of, of the weight of this, but Jesus had never been in opposition to the Father, and right now the Father has rejected him. Ahí, él experimenta el rechazo del Padre. Why is this important? Because you and I were born in rejection. Esto es importante porque usted y yo nacimos en el rechazo. Because Adam rejected God, now he was separate from God. Porque Adán rechazó a Dios, ahora toda la humanidad crece, nace en separación de Dios. Man without God is, without Christ is separated from God. And Jesus had to take our separation from God upon himself. Jesús tomó nuestra separación de Dios. Sobre sí mismo. When Jesus died on the cross, listen church, he became sin and he became the sinner. All the sinners. He took my place and your place and the place of the, the rapist and the murderer and the uh, thief. He took all of the place of all of the sinners from Adam unto the last man or woman who will ever be born on the face of the earth. Jesus took all of their sin. He became their sin. Think, think about if I, if I said, uh, ushers, lock the door. I have some videotape. It's never been seen before, but it's the videotape of all of our lives. And we're going to watch... The good, the bad, and the ugly of everybody in the room. It's, your heart starts. We'll say we're going to go in alphabetical order. 
And, and can you imagine if you had to watch your sins played out in public? The shame and the guilt that that would bring. Now imagine the weight of that. And Jesus carries not only the weight of one person's shame, but you now carry the weight of all the shame of all the people in the room and the shame of all the sinners in Beville. There's plenty of us, right? And then you take the shame of all the sinners in America and all the sinners in the world and all the sinners past, present, and future. And they're laid upon Christ. And he becomes sin. And at that moment, the father rejects the son. He turns his face from him. And he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now maybe this is the why of the innocent crying out and saying, God, I didn't do anything to deserve this. Quizá el clamor del por qué me has desamparado es el clamor de aquel que dice, Señor, yo no hice nada, soy inocente, no hice nada para merecer esto. And then we can think that perhaps this is the, the why of someone trying to understand. Some scholars believe perhaps the humanity of Jesus was so moved by this, this moment, he could, not, he could not recall or bring to mind all of the things that God had promised. And there was a, a, an inquiry in his soul. Why? Perhaps it is the why of amazement that just takes your breath away that Jesus, who had never experienced God's deaf ear or distant arm suddenly experiences what every sinner experiences without Christ. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What's the answer to that question? You notice he doesn't say why these nails? Why these beating? Why these wounds? Why these crown of thorns? What's, what's on his mind is not the physical pain, is it? It's the, the fact that he has been rejected. And friends, Jesus came at that very moment. Listen now. Tune in. At that very moment, Jesus came to heal all the rejection that man had done to God. And to restore man to relationship with his father. And not, not only that, but Jesus at that moment healed all of the rejection that you would ever experience in this life. Listen, you may have experienced rejection from your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, your spouse. You may have experienced rejection from a, a uh, teacher or, or uh, friends or co colleagues. But all rejection was healed at the cross. And tonight, if you're walking under the weight of rejection, I'm here today to tell you that Jesus heals 
rejection because he suffered your rejection at the cross. He ended it at the cross. En la cruz Jesús salvó y sanó todo el rechazo que usted y yo podemos experimentar. Si usted se ha sentido rechazado, que alguien no lo llamó, alguien no lo no se acordó de usted, alguien no le le dio amor, hay una hay uno que sana el rechazo porque él mismo lo sufrió en la cruz del Calvario. Listen, listen very good. Jesus when he was rejected by God made you acceptable to God. Cuando Jesús fue rechazado por el Padre, nos hizo a nosotros que viniéramos a Él por la fe, aceptables hacia Dios. Jesus made you acceptable to God. The Bible said that we are accepted in the beloved. Dice la Escritura que somos aceptados en el amado. Somebody ought to get excited about that tonight because you and I have been accepted in the beloved. Hemos sido aceptados. I am accepted by God. You are accepted by God. You don't ever have to go to God and wonder whether or not he will accept you. The miracle is not that we accept Jesus. The miracle is that God accepts us. And Jesus guaranteed that at the cross. Jesús estableció, garantizó que el hombre puede ser aceptado delante de Dios cuando se llega a Dios por medio de la fe. Entonces esta noche, si usted no tiene que temer si Dios lo puede aceptar o no. You don't have to worry tonight whether or not Jesus or God will be able to accept you no matter what your sins have been in the past or what your errors have been or the mistakes you've made. Because Jesus provided acceptance in his own blood. Jesús ha provisto uh, esa aceptación con Dios a través de su pre preciosa sangre. So Jesus said this. He said, no one who comes to me will I in any way cast away. Jesús dijo, nadie que se allega a mí de ninguna manera lo echaré fuera. You know, that's why I preach the gospel. Por eso yo predico el evangelio. Because Jesus promised me that if anyone would come to him, he would not cast them out, no matter if they were rich, poor, wise, or ignorant. Uh, uh, if they had uh, uh, been born in America or in Europe or in Africa or in Asia, it doesn't matter. He says, no one who comes to me will I in any way cast out. You have been accepted in the beloved. Then we see the second question, and here we hear him ask, why are you so far from helping me? Why are you so far from helping me? ¿Por qué estás tan lejos de ayudarme? Now we notice that there is a reference to distance. Jesus When he takes the place of the sinner, he reveals to us that a sinner is far from God. He could be sitting on the front row of the church and be far from God. He could be in the pulpit and be far from God. Jesús nos enseña que el pecador está lejos de Dios. 
Y el pecador puede estar en la primer banca o aún en el púlpito y estar lejos de Dios. Jesus, who had known nearness and proximity to God for all eternity, now tells us that he feels as though God is far from him. Three times in Psalm 22, we hear him say, be not far from me. Be not far from me. For my trouble is near and there is none to help me. Verse 11. And verse 19 he says, be not far off from me. Hurry to help me. And he asks God, he says, why are you so far from me? Have you ever felt like God was far? Jesus came and he died on the cross to, bring, to bridge the gap. From between God and man. He came to bring you near to God. You know that tonight, God is as close as the skin on your body. That's pretty close. Dios está tan cerca a ti como el cuero. That's close. If you tonight by faith say, Jesus, he's got, you got his attention. Si esta noche usted por la fe dice, Jesús, usted tiene su atención. So when you feel far from God, it's not that God is far because Jesus died on the cross to bring you near to God. Jesús murió en la cruz para traerte cerca hacia Dios. And so when you feel far from God, all you have to do is activate your faith toward God. Cuando usted se siente lejos de Dios, lo que tiene que hacer es activar su fe hacia Dios. At this moment, Jesus feels far from God so that he can bring the sinner near to God and make him a saint. Jesús está lejos de Dios para que usted y yo podamos ser llamados cerca a Dios. You and I have been brought near to God, the Bible said, through the blood of his cross. Hemos sido llamados cerca a Dios a través y mediante de la sangre de Cristo. We were on the outside looking in. Now we're on the inside looking out. How many of you believe this is a better view than the one you had before? Estábamos afuera y Él nos trajo adentro. Ahora tenemos mejor vista de adentro hacia afuera que la que teníamos cuando estábamos afuera mirando hacia adentro. We were, the Bible says, we were uh, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel without hope and without God in the world. Éramos extranjeros de las promesas de Dios, sin Dios y sin esperanza en el mundo. Pero a través de la sangre hemos sido traídos cerca a Dios. We have been brought near to God. Y la cercanía a Dios, dice el Salmo, es nuestro bien. The nearness of God, the psalmist said, is our good listen he says draw near to God and he will draw near to you I'm glad you came to church tonight because if you draw near to God he will draw near to you Si usted se acerca a Dios, Él se acerca a ti. Now, he asks the question, why won't you help me? 
Why won't you help me? And notice that Jesus gets no help on the cross. Jesús no recibe ayuda en la cruz. ¿Por qué no me ayudas? When he was baptized, he heard the Father's voice saying, This is my beloved Son. At Gethsemane, there were angels present to minister to him, but now there is none to help. Ahora no hay nadie que le ayude. Why? Because this had to be done by him alone. Eso tenía que ser hecho por él mismo. Nadie lo podía hacer. Él lo tenía que hacer. Why? Because God would not share the victory of the cross with anybody. Dios no va a compartir la victoria de la cruz con nadie más and, and he still today will not share the glory of the cross with anyone. Y él no va a compartir la gloria de la cruz con nadie más. And so because of his uh, being far from God, we have been brought near to God. And through his victory, now we're able to walk in that victory and the victory of the cross every day. Ahora podemos caminar en la victoria de la cruz todos los días de nuestra vida. It's awfully quiet in here this evening. I said you can walk in the victory of the cross every day. You can walk in nearness with God every day. You don't have to wait till Sunday to talk to God. You don't have to wait till Wednesday to talk to God. You can walk in nearness with God every single day. Usted puede caminar cerca a Dios todos los días. Third question then, why are you so far from my cry? In other words, why don't you answer my prayer? Why won't you talk to me? Jesus feels that separation of the Father. He feels that closed door, as it were. He feels as though God's ear is shut to him. And he expresses to us the, the longing of the human heart to hear and be heard by God. Ese es el deseo del corazón, oír y ser oído por Dios. And so we find that in Christ that we, he suffered the silence of God so that we could have an ear to the voice of God. Jesús, Jesús sufre el silencio de Dios para que usted y yo pudiéramos oír la voz de Dios. He suffers the, the, uh, the rejection of God to his prayer at that moment so that you and I could receive the answer to our prayer. Listen. By God re refusing or, or, or not answering a prayer for help in that moment, he made it possible for you to receive help in the time of need. He opened the door for answered prayers in our life. And so now, being able to hear the voice of God is a reality of every single believer. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And another they will not follow. So you and I have, as a believer, whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, 50 days, or five minutes, you have access to hearing the voice of God. Si usted ha sido cristiano por 50 años, o 50 días, o 5 minutos, usted tiene acceso a oír la voz de Dios. Porque Él fue rechazado. Usted ha sido aceptado y traído cerca a Dios. Y ahora usted tiene acceso a poder oír la voz 
de Dios. Now here's where I want to close for us tonight. The suffering of Christ in our place accomplishes our atonement. El sufrimiento de Jesús en la cruz uh, uh, suple nuestra, nuestra redención. But listen to the final prayer of Jesus. Escucha la última oración de Jesús. Here he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the last word of the cross, he says, Father. At three o'clock, he had to call him God. At noon, he had to call him God. But by three o'clock, because redemption was done, and because the cross had accomplished the work for which God sent Jesus, he could now call him, and you and I can call him, Father. So when we hear him cry out and say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He, he's telling us the door is open. You don't have to call him God. You don't have to call him master or, or boss. You don't have to approach God as your judge. You come to him as your father because he is your father through the blood that I shed on this cross and through my death and through the wrath that I suffered in your place. And his death brings about an end to our rejection and a beginning of our acceptance. And it brings about a full covering of all of our sin. A full removal of man's sin and separation from God. So that when you and I approach God, we don't have to come to him and say, Eli, judge, almighty. But we can come to him and say, Abba. Jesus did that at the cross. Jesus accomplished that. Not through winning a medal. Not through, not through achieving some great height. But by reaching the depths of humans' sin and depravity. He conquered sin by becoming sin and he conquered death by dying and he's given us the resurrection and life. Come on somebody. I'm talking about the victory that you and I have and can experience every single day in Jesus. And so when we approach him, we approach him not as a faraway God but as one who is so close as a skin on our body. We approach him not as one who has turned his back to us, but one who has opened his arms to us. Don't ever let the enemy 
Don't ever let the devil keep you out of the prayer closet. And don't ever let the devil talk you out of the promises of God and tell you you don't deserve it. You can't have it. You've made too many mistakes. You've blown it too many times. Don't ever let the devil rob you of what belongs to you by inheritance through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. You have, you have done that long enough. You let the devil take your peace and your joy long enough. Over. And no more of that. If it's mine, it's mine in Jesus and hell can't have it. It belongs to me because my Father has secured it through the death of Jesus at the cross. And I can walk in the full blessing of the cross because of that. So today, I don't have to ever say, why have you forsaken me? Because I am not forsaken. I don't have to say, why won't you help me? Because I have the help and the helper. I don't ever have to say, why are you far from me? Because he is not far, but he is near. He's closer to me, and he is better to me than I have been to myself. And when I think of the goodness of of God revealed at the cross and the victory secured for me at Calvary, I rejoice and I weep at the same time to think that that, the sin that he bore was my sin and that the victory that he deserved became mine. That's like you running a race and the guy who tried to trip you getting the medal. You received the reward of his suffering. What a savior. What a savior. Would you stand with me tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Just thank God for Jesus tonight. Right where you are, just lift your hands and thank God for his son. Thank him for the full glory of his atonement.